Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Charlie Chan, Dragnet with Jack Webb, comedian Don Adams with Raymond Burr, plus Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. One of the popular mystery programs during the 40s starred Ed Begley as Charlie Chan. The incomparable Charlie Chan. The American Broadcasting Company presents the incomparable Charlie Chan. Detective, philosopher, modern Chinese sage in a new and exciting series. Join the famous detective every day at this time, Monday through Friday, as he combines the wisdom of the East and the science of the West in a thrilling and dramatic chapter from the adventures of Charlie Chan. Charlie Chan humbly gives you greeting and extends warm welcome. Old Chinese proverb instructs, Many times, shortest route to goal is longest journey. And today, long journey took this person underground to meet death. This week's adventure, The Man Who Moved Mountains. strange discovery of the body of Charles Burnett in the roadside show of Professor Arthur Moore has led Charlie Chan through a bewildering tangle of clues. Chan learned that Burnett had been buying up mountains of rubbish from worn-out gold mines and apparently manufactured diamonds from this useless material. But Brock, a diamond dealer, insisted he had never heard of Burnett and had never bought jewels from him. As Chan and his son rushed to their car to drive to police headquarters, they open the car door to discover a murdered man lying in the back seat. Now, in the garage behind headquarters, Chan and his son examine the body with Lieutenant Locke. Chan, this is the craziest case I've ever seen. It's beginning to get me rocky. How do you think we're getting, Lieutenant? Golly, driving all the way to headquarters with that... that passenger. Who is he, Pop? Unlike Mr. Charles Burnett, this gentleman completely identified. Name... Mr. John Tapman, resident of this city. According to business card, is representative of Radio Radar Company of St. Louis and Chicago. How was this one killed, Chan? Was strangled. How? Small piece of twine placed around throat and twisted tight, probably with stick of wood. Oh, garroted, huh? Yes. Can see line of twine deeply embedded in skin. Listen, Pop. What the dickens is the connection between this corpse and Burnett? I'm so sorry to display stupidity. Your father does not know. Maybe there isn't any connection, Chan. That would be stretching already overly long arm of coincidence too much, Lieutenant Locke. All right, Chan. Only what in blazes are you going to do about it? We can't just stumble around in circles. 
We'll mount to office in headquarters while homicide takes care of dead Mr. Tapman. Must collect and collate data on case, then submerge self in deep thought. Was wisely written, is time for fishing and time to dry nets. Charlie Chan now dries nets to catch murderer. <laughs> Strange case of man who moved mountains now takes deadly turn. Will be necessary for this miserable person to move entire mountain to reach safety and conclusion of case. Hope you will join self tomorrow. Until then, Charlie Chen wish you goodbye. Thank you. Comedian Don Adams and Raymond Burr got their cast of players together one evening and presented this parody of Charlie Chan. Interesting. He was killed and then put into the closet. Maybe not. Maybe he was killed while hanging up his coat. A moment, please. Inspector, this is Charlie Chan, formerly at a uh, Honolulu police force, now working here in San Francisco. Mr. Chan. Famous detective. I've long been an admirer of your work. Uh, uh, you are too kind, Inspector. <laughs> Honorable Master Detective is honored to assist your government in this unusual case. This is uh, unworthy number one son. I. <laughs> Mr. Chan, what puzzles me about this murder is its motive. Uh, correction, please. This is uh, not uh, a case of murder. This is case of robbery. Robbery? Incredible. How can you say it's robbery, Mr. Chan? The man is dead. We found $100 in his wallet. Uh, uh, beg pardon, Inspector, but how do we know victim's wallet did not originally contain $200? Gee, Pop, you're right. They probably took $100 and left the rest to throw us off the track. Ah, unworthy son is apt pupil. Yes, and then they killed him so he couldn't tell us about the robbery. Yes, it is wisely said. Dead men tell no tales. Gee, Pop, that's terrific. Who said that? I did. <laughs> uh, let, uh, let us test on uh, worthy son's perception. Uh, what do you observe about uh, a man lying on floor? He's dead. <laughs> no, uh, do you not uh, uh, observe anything else? No, Pop. Oh, your eyes see, but uh, they do not see. Uh, observe, please. A victim is uh, dressed in business suit. Gray jacket and gray slacks. Black shoes and socks. Striped tie and silver tie clasps. Gee, Pop, you're right. And then why? Why, I ask you, is he not wearing shirt? <laughs> Gee, Pop, you don't miss a trick, do you? A lot of people would have overlooked a detail like that. I must humbly say, that is why I am master detective. And you are stupid, number one, sir. <laughs> Mr. Chan, may I ask, uh, do you always wear a white suit, sir? Uh, except in summer. Well, as I recall, the last time I saw you, you were wearing the same suit. Beg to differ. Have many different styles. Oh, sorry. I guess all Chinese suits look alike to me. <laughs> Excuse me. Tell me, Inspector... 
How do you think murder was committed? Well, he was killed by an exploding birthday cake. Ah, that again. That again? Becoming quite common. In many countries, considered a crime to carry concealed birthday cake. <laughs> Genius. All right. All right, we can remove the body. Oh, no, wait, wait, one moment. Uh, much can be learned by what man carries on person. Examine pockets, please. Gee, Pop, sure. Handkerchief. Wallet. Keys to my apartment. Chain. Uh, uh, one moment, please. A victim had keys to your apartment uh, in his pocket? Oh, you want me to examine his pockets? <laughs> please, to do so. Right, huh? Cull? Feather? Train Black Widow Spider? Page from the Seattle phone book? One moment, please. Uh, what did you say? A uh, page from the Seattle phone book. No, no, before that. Oh, Train Black Widow Spider. Exactly. Familiar and diabolical method. Using Train Spider to do killer's work. Gee, Pop, what do we do now? We must form circle of suspects and see which one spider crawl to. Gee, Pop! Uh, <laughs> that sounds dumb. Wait a minute, you can't talk to my Pop that way. Control yourself, son, please. I talk to our inspector myself. Confucius say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Confucius said that as a small child. <laughs> uh, one moment, please. Uh, would be a good instruction to reconstruct crime. Now, uh, would you assist me, uh, number one son? Oh, sure, Pop. Okay. Now, uh, observe, please, Inspector. Uh, judging from the angle of wound, victim was standing quite close to assailant with back to him like this. Suspect murderer was concealing gun up sleeve, like this. Yes. Then when murderer was ready to strike, he merely slid out gun, like this, pulled victim to him with free arm, like this, seized gun, like this, and pulled trigger, like this. <laughs> Gee, Pop, I don't know what happened. I was just holding the gun, and it went off like this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the American Forces Radio and Television Service proudly presents the Retirement 2, yes, sir. Harry, my boy, did you know that if you retire from the armed forces, the government gives you 120 days free life insurance? I know. After that, they arrange our very low-cost policy that covers you the rest of your life? I know, and I'm not interested. Not interested? No, sir, George, if I can't take it with me, I'm not going. Another thing. Retirees from the armed forces are entitled to take part in the referral program. That's where the Department of Defense computer matches up your service training with openings in industry, right? That's what it does. Only thing is, in civilian life, who wants my strange exotic specialty? Which is? I'm a mess cook. Financial security, retirement pay, life insurance. Those are just a few of the benefits from the armed forces. 
find out about all of them from your personnel officer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My favorite. One of the most popular detective shows on radio starred Jack Webb as Sergeant Joe Friday. And every week he brought to the nation a new episode of Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Dragnet. It was Monday, January 14th. It was raining in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. My name's Friday. In the early 50s, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis were starred in their own half-hour weekly comedy show on NBC. Every week, they featured songs, sketches, and guest stars. The evening Jack Webb joined them as guest, Martin and Lewis presented their own version of Dragnet. Now, let's go back more than two decades for this nostalgic bit of humor. Jerry. He's miserable because his girl has disappeared. He was his childhood sweetheart, Jack. He kissed her uh, the first time when she was uh, three years old. Oh, Jerry, that was just puppy love. I guess that explains your cold nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Webster, will you please help me find her? Please help me find my girl. Portia Griminus. <laughs> your girl's name is Portia. Well, that name figures. If she could face Jerry, she could face life. <laughs> Jack locator if he knew more about her. Yeah, where'd she work? Oh, she worked at the laundry. She was the best sprinkler they had. Best sprinkler in the laundry? How come? Her front tooth was missing. <laughs> yeah, she's the gal who was sent to the laundry convention as Miss Mangle. And she deserved the honor, too. Here's a picture of her taken down at the beach in a bathing suit. Well, what's that big bulge in the back of her suit? Her clothes. She couldn't afford a locker. <laughs> Wow, get a load of that wench. No hair, no eyelashes, no teeth. Jerry, we might be able to locate her if you got in touch with the Bureau of Missing Persons. You think that's the right place? Sure. She's got more things missing than any person I ever <laughs> Jerry, this picture here of Porsche isn't very clear. Does she have any distinguishing characteristics? Uh, well, Mr. Webb, she has a triple chin, but it's not noticeable. How come? Her lower lip covers it. <laughs> Well, that's no help. There are thousands of girls like that in Los Angeles. Yeah, but you only find them on blind dates. <laughs> well, she does have one outstanding feature. She wears earrings that come down to her ankles. That's simply amazing. What's so amazing? Her ears come down to her knees. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we'll put a tracer on her if you can tell me where she hangs out. From the looks of that picture, she hangs out all over. <laughs> If this were Dragnet, how would you go about finding somebody who was missing? Well, now, look here, Dean. Last time I was your guest, we did a Dragnet scene, and right now I don't think I'm up to it. Well, turn the page and you are. Gentlemen, <laughs> <laughs> please put down that Chesterfield just long enough to set the scene. Right, Dean. Ladies and gentlemen, some weeks ago, the Chesterfield... Ooh, there's so much milder player. 
Brought you their version of Dragnet. Starring Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and Jack Webb. Tonight, the same sterling Jim Dandy cast <laughs> brings you a peachy keen sequel to Dragnet entitled... Son of Dragnet. <laughs> well, tonight's version, we show you how the law was enforced a long, long time ago in the very early days when our country, America, was still a British colony. This is ye old city. None of the settlers has settled here yet. We're stuck with the city. My name is Thursday. It used to be from... It used to be Friday, but after 20 years on the force, they gave me a day off. I wear a fireman's hat, a fireman's coat, a fireman's suspenders. I'm a cop. I'm a cop, too. My name is Dino Antonio Giuseppe Angelo Pietro Garibaldi Corsetti. I'm Italian. Before I got on the police force, I worked as an olive stuffer. I stuffed him the hard way. I crawled through the hole in the olive, dragging my pimento behind me. Quick on the trigger. I shoot as soon as I pull the gun out of my holster. I'm a cop, too. <laughs> I shoot without taking my gun out of my holster. My name is No Toes Lewis. <laughs> I'm new on a force, but I know which side my bread is buttered on. I can look at a slice of bread and say, this side is buttered. <laughs> this is a bitter, cold winter's day in Salem, Massachusetts. The date is December 49th. It's so cold, January was afraid to show up. Brr. Hello, no-toes. Brr. Hello, Thursday. I just can't keep warm here in Salem. What'll I do? Throw another witch on the fire. <laughs> Never mind that. It's about time you got here, Chief. I've been trying to track down a beautiful blue-eyed blonde with a gorgeous figure. Well, maybe I can bring her in. What's the charge? You bring her in. I'll think of something. <laughs> I picked up the phone and answered it. This was very hard to do. The telephone hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> Hello, ye old police headquarters, Thursday speaking. Hello, Chief Dino. Is it against the pilgrim law to kiss a girl right out in the street? Nope. See, I told you, babe. Come on, pucker up. <laughs> well, listen, you get back to headquarters at once, Dino. We've got to check on the alibi of ye old Boston Blackie. <laughs> Chief, there's something funny about ye old. <laughs> well, I checked on him, too. He's the head of the American Society for the Preservation of American Ideals and American Customs in the American Colonies for all freedom-loving Americans. What does that outfit do? They're foreign spies. <laughs> hey, Keith, I found a body up in the mountains frozen stiff in the snow. How'd you get him here? It was downhill and I belly walked him all the way. <laughs> That's strange. The body is rolled up in a small circle and there's a gaping hole right through his chest. How do you figure it, Louis? It's simple. He was beaten to death with a donut. <laughs> Suddenly, a rock came through the window. The three of us bent down and picked it up. It was very heavy. It was the Plymouth Rock. 
I knew it was the Plymouth Rock because it was covered with pilgrims. Pete, there's a note on a rock. It says Manhattan Island was just stolen from the Indians while the night watchman was asleep. The mob that swiped it is trying to unload it on the settlers for 24 bucks. Who in this town could hide a hot island? <laughs> There'd only be one guy. Hot Shop Harry. Just look at his record, Chief. He robbed the First National Bank, the Second National Bank, the Third National Bank, and the Fifth National Bank. How come he didn't rob the Fourth National Bank? That's where he deposits the money. <laughs> well, we gotta pick up Hot Shop Harry. Hand me that police microphone. But, Chief, the microphone hasn't been invented yet. This is an emergency. We can't wait. Oh. <laughs> calling all police horses. Calling all police horses. Hello, Chief. This is Officer Stabile on police horse number 99. That's police horse number 66. You're riding upside down. <laughs> hey, where are you? <laughs> got an assignment for you. Be on the lookout for Hawk Shop Harry. And be careful, Stabile. He carries four guns, five swords, three daggers, and a dozen hand grenades. Don't get too close to him. It's dangerous. <laughs> He doesn't brush his teeth with chlorophyll. I already ran into Harry. We had a fight and he escaped, and I tore his clothes. Well, come on, boys. We gotta find Harry. It won't be easy. Where's his hideout? Wherever his clothes are torn. Oh! <laughs> we started out to the waterfront where Harry hangs out. I knew the street well. It was on the corner of Hickory and Dickory, and that's right down by the dock. We decided to ride down on horseback. It was so foggy, we couldn't see a thing. When we galloped down to Harry's place, the fog suddenly lifted, and I realized why we were all so tired. We'd forgotten our horses. When we got to Harry's place, I saw him crouching against the wall in the dark. I took a pot shot at Harry. My aim was perfect. My shot hit him right in the pot. <laughs> All right, no-toes. You go in and snap these handcuffs on Harry. Okay, but I'm scared. Dino, if I faint, bring me a glass of water. How will I know when you fainted? I get a stupid look on my face. <laughs> but how will I know when you fainted? <laughs> All right, hot shop, Harry. We got you surrounded. Now, will you come peacefully, or do we have to run for our lives? Now, wait a minute, coppers. You, you can't pull me without a warrant. Oh, yeah? Well, we've got one. Okay, let's have a warrant. Weren't you the one who robbed the bank? Where did the term sergeant originate? Well, when knighthood was in flower, the term servient was applied to fighters who were a cut above the common soldier, mounted on horseback but not wealthy enough to qualify as knights. And so through servient, from the Latin servire, to serve, comes the word sergeant, another interesting term used by the military. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.